Hey, Mr. Wong, how you doing, my brother? Hey, not too bad, not too bad. Good, 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 good. Hope everyone is healthy, safe, and well. Um, today we've uh, got episode five, and we have uh, Drew Sullivan, who is a basketball player um, out of the UK who represented the, uh, Great Britain at the 2012 Olympics. We talk about jujitsu, we talk about basketball, we talk uh, about him growing up, we talk about how the difference between the UK, well, Europe mainly and um, the US and Sakasa actually how the, the leagues are etc really interesting conversation so without further ado here is Drew hold on computer here we go man um, so guys today we're joined by Mr. Drew Sullivan um, uh, oh, so we start to call it it's actually a part two so I don't mind you know man can edit this take bit out two. Take two, take two, yeah, not part two, take two. Um, so yeah, uh, last time actually we had a little bit of a bad connection. So this time we thought we'd just do this all over again because the conversation was so, just so intriguing and, uh, and really good. And it was, um, I think off the back of it, there's some stuff that we actually wanna wanna actually ask you about, Drew, you know, um, that was probably kind of left out, but now in hindsight, it's like, yeah, you know, let me see the opinions <laughs> in this. So let's start with your name first and foremost, man. Andrew or Drew? Tell me. <laughs> uh, well, my mom calls me, my mom named me Andrew, but funny enough, she probably uses Andrew uh, as, as little as everybody else. So it's it's Drew. It's Drew. Everyone knows me as Drew. Drew, Drew, Drew. So listen, tell tell me about like you know where you're born and stuff like that, and uh, you know just start from the start from the very very beginning. Um, I'm I'm originally a happy boy. Um, you know uh, something that. When people ask me where I'm from, I, I say it, I say it very very proudly. You know, um, that's, like, that's where I was born. I grew up there. Um, we lived myself, myself, my mum lived there for my first eight years or so, and then we eventually moved to North London, uh, um, to Tottenham. So, um, but through, uh, a lot of absolute Londoner through and through. Nice, nice. You know, also Gunnar or Spurs fan. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> Liverpool fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're one of those. <laughs> oh man. So listen. So, so how how did you take up basketball? Because I, I the last time we were discussing this, so um, obviously nobody heard. But um, you know, I was talking about like my experiences when like I was growing up in London and stuff, and how prolific basketball was like in the eighties. You know that you go to to places like um, Ravenscourt Park, and everybody be shooting hoops. You know what I mean in the, in the on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and stuff like that in the sunshine, and it was it was it, those places were jammed. But if you look at it now, um, you know it's it's not it's not the same. You know, so like tell me about your experiences, you taking up basketball, you know, and how you got to that point. Yeah, so um, when I was growing up, I played I played a multitude of sports: football, um, ran track. Um, uh, doing like uh, track and field, um, and played played a huge amount of badminton with my mum. So so I was like, really exposed to a lot of different sports. But funny enough, basketball wasn't one of them, uh, mm. which is which is quite mad. Consider considering uh, by the time I was thirteen, I was already six foot four. So uh, oh, wow, wow, Jesus! Didn't mention it before. Oh wow! Oh man! <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so I was already like a tall, really, really tall, tall kid, um, teenager. Mm. Uh, but but basketball wasn't a sport that I was exposed to. Just remember my school didn't um, didn't do it. 
just wasn't around the right people or whatever. Um, so I, my dream was always to represent Great Britain at an Olympics in uh, track and field. Um, ah. with, uh, Linford, uh, Linford Christie was about, and he was yeah. a tall, tall uh, athlete. Obviously, even more so that the fact that he was black. So, someone for me to like look up, look up to, and say that's what I wanted to do. Um, but my, that's not that's not how it works out for me. Um, I had a huge injury um, when I was thirteen, doing a, uh, doing a four by one. Mm-hmm. Um, I slipped, dislocated my hip, and tore my hamstring. So, um, which is funny enough, I tell, I, tell, I tell people this when I when I go into schools and stuff, and I said to them, "That's the best thing that ever happened to me," because there was no guarantee that I was going to make the Olympics for track and field. But because of that injury, it 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 led me down the, the route into basketball, uh, weirdly, um, and I and I ended up going to the Olympics playing basketball. So I got to where I wanted to go. This mm. would be a different route. So, um, so due to that injury, I had to I had months and months of rehab, um, uh, which was which was very painful for me, uh, but also painful, painful for my mum because of the, the way I was walking. I had, I had to re, I had to learn how to walk again. Uh, so I went through about three or four pairs of school shoes because I was dragging my leg. So as much as my mum was happy that I was getting better, she was she wanted me to hurry up the process. Mm. Um, um, and then coming to the end of my my rehab, uh, the doctor kind of recommended to maybe go to the park and just, you know, s- s- uh, gently kick the ball around just so there was like hip mo- hip mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought there was my cousin, um, and there was a bunch of guys playing basketball. They noticed how tall I how tall I was, and they asked if I wanted to play. So you know, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. Run up, run up and down. I think uh, within a few minutes, they realized that I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> one, one of the guys was like, you know, kind of bitched me out. And then I turned around and said, I'm only 30. And he was like, <laughs> he stopped. And he was like, you're only 13. And I was like, yeah. And uh, that guy was named Alan. Um, we're still friends up to this day. And he was the person who introduced me to my my uh, first basketball coachings, um, and and that's how I, that's how I got into basketball. Nice, nice. That's that's brilliant, man. That's brilliant. That's actually yeah. silver hilarious. silver linings, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. How did you find like? Um, I don't want to jump too far because I want to talk about you moving to America and stuff like that. But how did you find like the training for track and field in comparison to? Um, to basketball and eventually we get onto this but because I want to talk about the differences training between track and field basketball and, and how you see jiu-jitsu but yeah. during that time how did you uh, find the training the difference the different two different disciplines well can I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna share something with you guys right and uh, um, you're gonna scratch your head head with it I absolutely hate running <laughs> oh, me too me too <laughs> I hate it, but uh, I ran into track and field because I enjoyed doing doing like the 100 meters, 200 meters. I played yeah. basketball, which involves a lot of running. But if you say you need to go and run uh, to keep fit, I was like, all right, you might as well, you know, you know, put a knife through my heart. Um, so <laughs> it's, uh, people are like, why did you choose these sports? It's, you know, um, but in terms of the training in and of itself, um, you know, especially when I started, like, obviously you go, you do um, 100 meters, 200 meters. So it's just like a lot of those, a lot of those, you know, over and over and over yeah. kind of, and then or one, like you might do a set of 100 meters and then you do like 
120s. So you had yeah. that endurance as well. Um, so it was like it was very very repetitive. Whereas um, when I started basketball, and obviously I'll, I'll mention this again because it seems like it's a, a reoccurring theme. Um, basketball was new and it was exciting because there were just so many like different toys to play with. Yeah. You know, I can run, I can jump, you know, I can cut, I can I can play def- uh, defense, I can play offense. You know, so there were just so many different toys to play with, and uh, um, and you know, like I said, given my height, um, um, I took to it quite quickly. So, nice. Did you, did you have as a, as a thirteen, fourteen year old taking up basketball in, in in London and in the UK? Did you have any kind of challenges, and and how was it like, and how was it structured with regards to your 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 coach at the time? I mean, for me, I was really lucky. I think I played for what is largely considered, especially at that time, one of the top three clubs in the country. They all happened to be in London. Um, so it was us, the East London Royals. So when I say us, um, um, Hackney, mm-hmm. um, uh, on London Towers, they were, they were, they were like, together. Yeah. Um, East London Royals and Brixton Top Cats were the three like, predominant teams. But, um, Westminster was really good at the older age groups, but the younger age groups, those are the three teams that kind of dominated. Um, so I played for a, a man called Joe White, mm-hmm. um, and he is by and large considered one of the top two junior coaches, him and Jim, Jimmy Rogers. Yeah. Uh, so Jimmy, Roger, Jimmy Rogers coached at Brixton, and obviously Joe coached me at Hackney. So um, I was lucky in that sense that I went there um, a bunch of guys who who had the real real focus on playing basketball. It wasn't like kind of going into um, going into a rec league or something like that. Um, it was almost how I can describe it is like going into uh, into Arsenal's academy. Yeah. You know, everybody had their, their dream was to play at a high level. So um, the basketball was on hand. You know, to, uh, um, seven days seven days a week. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. So, how did you how did you get dragged from, or or you know, scattered from the the UK to to America, and what was that transition like? You know, it's different culture, different people, etc. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, no, I, uh, obviously the people don't know that we had this conversation, but uh, already, <laughs> but um, but you know, it's, it's nice. It's, it's almost a, it's almost a good thing that we have because a lot of things are coming back. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> but, but, like just sitting here talking to you, I'm looking at and, and the questions that you, you're asking. I look back at my career. I'm just like, my my, my career is one big accident. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the way I the way I got over to America was um, a guy called Rich Marcucci, um, who ran a basketball camp in New Jersey, came over to to Europe. His wife is like she at that time, she was heavily into like music, uh, music like violins and that kind of uh, that side classical music um so they were over here doing a tour of europe and um they were in in the uk and um the guy was asking about basketball so they they recommend coming down to hackney um, yeah. to, and and he he came down he met us and then you know he found out how old i was and so on and so forth and he was like why don't you come over to the, to the basketball camp um so that's the following summer about 20 of us went over from the UK, including my coach and some of my teammates. Um, and while I was there, we had a conversation and said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I would love to play um, basketball at college. 
Yeah. Um, but at the age, at my age, I was too young. So he 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 suggested that I go to high school uh, for two or three years, depending on how how old I was going to be when I decided yeah. to come over. So I ended up going to high school for three years in New Jersey, which he helped massively to sort out. Um, and then from there, I got recruited from the high school to go to to, to university at Villanova. Um, right. Okay. Okay. What was what was your experience? Was that your first time in the US? And what was your experience like in New Jersey? Yeah. I mean, my first the, the summer that I went was my first my first time. Um, I really found out that ate watermelon a lot uh, <laughs> by the end of the summer. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, I'll tell you something. Up to this day, so I don't, even, I don't even want to do the math. And think about how many years later, I still can't even, I can't even eat watermelon sweets. It makes me sick to my stomach. Oh no! Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I had a great time. Um, high school was was um, amazing. Mm. Um, we won, a, we won a state championship my junior junior year. Um, um, I got, I was named like one of the top players in the country my uh, senior year. Um, I've got played the year my junior and senior year, so I had a really really good um, high school career. Um, got to university. It's something I look back at. I was proud of, but I've looked back also think mm, maybe I could have done a little bit more. But sometimes there's opportunities that are, uh, that maybe weren't presented. But you know you you, you know you go with uh, you go with the punches. And, and but you know one thing I can always say is that. I got an education out of it. That's, yeah. You know, so so like um, you know, uh, I, when I when I do my talks with like young people, I I always say to them that like, what, how much does it cost to go to university or college in in um, the UK? And they, I think I think the, the, the numbers that I kind of hear is like maybe eighteen thousand for the entirety. Yeah. I'm like, what even get you through half a year at university in America? So they're talking about forty five thousand for half of a year so if i wasn't on scholarship there was no way that i was going to be able to afford to do that so yeah. so i'm very lucky in that regard it's, it's one of those things though you know I, I i'm a firm believer that actually education should be free and accessible mm. to everybody no matter what level and, and yeah you know, those those costs are absolutely ridiculous you know i mean it, yeah. it's, it's, it's our duty as, as adults and as, as a society to make sure that you know the our kids and our young people get the the you know the the push and the need, the push that they need. You know, and yeah. there shouldn't be no barriers in between in between them actually having the best access to whatever they need and for them fulfilling whatever they need to fulfill in the future. And I think just like when you got a, a cost of forty five grand a year, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. you know for half a year, it's just it's just, it's just year, ridiculous. Yeah. So it immediately yeah. kind of like you know uh, eliminates um, you know a certain section of of society or certain. Uh, earning bracket of individuals and and you know there's so many more kids and young people down below that that don't get that push or don't get that leap or don't get a uh, jump yeah. opportunity because I, um, of, of that financial thing listen mate yeah. could you give me just one second hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, one no. second. <laughs> okay um i mean to jump on the, um, that point i'm a big believer in it as well uh you know um i feel like let's we talk about the un unemployment rate. People aren't aren't, aren't uh, educated enough to to kind of get into that to the, into the jobs that we we need people in and so on and so forth. So, you know, I think that without sounding too political, I'm not going to touch upon it um, too much. <laughs> is that 
let's try and help our young people as much as we can. Let's not let's not um, start them off from uh, and their first step into the working world is I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of debt above my head, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so, but that's, that's but I agree with you. I do agree with you. So we'll leave it there. So. We'll leave it there. I know it's, it's, a, it's a big, <laughs> but it's a big it's a big bugbear of mine. You know, what I mean, it's 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 ext- you know it's extreme. It's one of those things that I just I just believe that. Um, as human beings, we can do better, uh, but not enough of us actually doing it. Yeah, enough, well, you know what I mean to to make to make sure that it does work. But you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a father of three, and I tell I tell you guys better be really good athletes <laughs> to get scholarships. <laughs> is, is, it, is it compulsory sport? You got a door in it, so is it compulsory yeah. sports? You know to keep oh, away yeah. the boys. Yeah, yeah well, that, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a method to my madness, so. so. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good man so yeah so expand a little bit more on your your experience in in um you know uh, as a junior in america yeah. yeah in the states um yeah so i went so i went from high school to university um was just just talking about it's like the the university sports over over there is it is kin to professional sports over here and it's hard for people to really understand that. It's like, you know, um, you know, you talk about a college basketball game in the UK. You know, maybe if you get a hundred people there, you're, you're happy days. Uh, you in a in in a basketball game in the U in the US, you might have a hundred plus staff working the game. You know, because it's on TV, it's on. Um, it's on radio, it gets on um, uh, uh, ESPN, you know, all of these, ABC, the, like I'm sure you guys have heard March Madness. It's mm-hmm. like one of the biggest sporting events of the year in America. In America. It is su- such big business. I mean, without like kind of going into it, like I'm, my university coach, the coach where I went to university, Jay Wright, he's probably on like maybe four, five, six million a year, you know? Wow. Uh, you know, and he and he's by far not the highest paid. Probably the highest paid is probably uh, um, Coach K at Duke. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so it's, it's it's massive business over there. And um, but but the way they the way the Americans think in regard to sport, they look at it. It's like, well, we're we're getting you ready for something. Yeah. We're getting you ready. If you don't happen to, I mean, obviously you get a scholarship to, to to go to university, and and the expectation is to graduate, so you have your education as well. You should leave with a degree. Mm-hmm. But then it's like if you're good enough, then we're getting, we're going to do everything we can to get to make you become the best professional as you possibly can. Um, so let's let's show you what it means to be a professional. So yeah, it's it's a it's a totally different machine. Yeah, in, in, yeah. in the US, you know, and as we were just talking off air about the, the, the size of, of the arenas and stuff like that, but also, you know, it's like, you know, TV rights are, are around all this and stuff like that. It's, it's such closer to um, a profes- the professional sport as we know it, uh, much closer to it than, than, say, like our amateur uh, scene or setup is. You know, yeah. it's like, even, yeah. you know, I can watch college basketball and college football on you know on uh, bt sport over here you know yeah it's yeah, like yeah. but you know i doubt if they're you know they're gonna be able to watch you know the US <laughs> to watch, like, <laughs> basketball, no. english basketball over in the us it's, it's, no. a, it's a totally different it's a totally different yeah. thing you know i think I, one of the biggest things that they're 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 
because of because of the machine and how much money it makes, it's a multi-billion-dollar machine. Um, but who who and there's certain people who um, who's the fuel for those machines, and it's the players. And the player and the argument and there's it's been going on for years and years and years. The argument is where well, the player should get should see a piece of that pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the retort has always been, yeah, but they're getting a they're getting a um a scholarship, which is rightly so. I understand I do understand that. Um mm-hmm. but you know, when you're when you're playing for when you're playing at a university that's been in millions, millions and millions and millions. Like um, and then you look at one, one athlete. You're that's not that's. I mean, like it's not equivalent to how much money you're bringing into what that, that athlete is getting from a scholarship standpoint. Yeah. So and then yeah. and then even so, if that athlete is someone who is like a you know top 100 recruit, mm-hmm. he's putting bums in seats as well. So he's he's earning revenue that outweighs the scholarship that you're offering him. Dude, wasn't you know, there something so, in the media recently about that, or or, or, or it changed or something with the there, yeah, yeah. So there was um, the NBA came out of a rule um, years and years ago mm. that said that you had to. So it basically forced um, um, student athletes to go to university for I think it was a year. They had to be nineteen to yeah. enter the draft. So basically, what it was was um, you have to go and make money for the machine. Before you can come, and it was, a, and, and anyone who looked at it could, could see it was a, an agreement between the NBA and the, the NCAA. Yeah. Because all, because a lot. Sorry, 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 sorry. One second. Are you right, buddy? Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't sit behind the door, okay? All right. Go and see my mother's turn. You see behind the door. I didn't realize. I just saw the door. I closed it. Um. Um. So, it, it was clearly you can see it was a clear agreement that right. You guys, we're gonna we're gonna let you guys have the have these top athletes for a year. Mm-hmm. That's gonna make some money off of them because people are gonna want to see them. It gives you gives them another year of experience of growing, playing at a high level, and then they come out, then they'll come over to the NBA. Yeah. You know, um, but now they reverse that ruling, so a player can go from high school straight to the NBA. So you, you can be drafted as long as you're 18. Wow. So because the argument the argument's always been the same. Like if um. If someone's a gifted uh, musician, 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 mm-hmm. you don't say to them, "Well, you can't, you can't perform at like the Carnegie Hall uh, yeah, until yeah. you until you're until you're 20." Yeah, you know, people be like, "What are you talking about?" Like the same thing in tennis, you know, the same thing in football. Like you know, um, we we have seen it time and time again. These kids are kids making a debut at 17 years old. They're yeah. straight out of the academy. They might yeah. play one or two games or what have you. So. If you're good enough, you're old enough. Um, so, so. I, I suppose probably because the setup is different, like in in like in football, soccer over here is where, yeah. as you know, in in the US, it's actually the, the the league that owns the players, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's probably, to, um, to an extent, wherever here it's like you know, in the Premier League, it, it's it's the teams, the individual teams yeah. that actually own and set up the academies and the systems themselves. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So tell us about what do you call it? America, and then you uh, playing from in America and switching over to to the teams in Europe, and you know how that worked. Yeah. So I, like I said I, I was at um, uni for four years. I, I'm happy to say that I graduated <laughs> with my with my degree. Um, <laughs> and then um, and then during that time, I, I, 
I'm good enough to play professionally, you know. I kind of just always just enjoy playing. I never really thought about it like that. And then um, so I started speaking to different various agents, and a friend of mine put me in contact with a friend of his who was a, um, an agent in uh, um, in Europe, yeah. for Europe. Um, so we kind of we, we started talking. We did it off, and he uh, got me my first my first um, my first professional gig. Yeah. Uh, didn't go very well. <laughs> in the in the sense of in, in the sense of um, I went and I had a, you know I had a, a week out in Germany. The the coach got me in at the end of the week and said that like he liked me as a player. He thought I, he thought I did really well, but I wasn't the type of player that they were looking for. Um, yeah. So I didn't get I didn't I, I, I didn't make the team. Um, so I went back to my mum's, uh, spent a week there, um, and then I got a phone call from my agent uh, saying that I had another job opportunity. In a, in a place called Nijmegen in in Holland. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny enough, for, for a team called Eiffel, Ta- Eiffel Towers in in Holland. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I had another week trial. Went out there. Went went. It went really really well. Um, but it came down to playing against Barcelona, which was number one, probably the number one, number two uh, basketball team in Europe. Um, and the, the the coach said, "If you play well tonight." We'll, we'll, we'll sign you. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, had a good game, at least good enough for, for them to be happy with. And then I ended up spending my first year um, as a professional out in, um, in in Holland. So, and it was it was good. I mean, like for me, for me, the transition wasn't wasn't uh, a huge deal because I started out playing uh, in the UK uh, in Europe first. Mm-hmm. Um, then I moved over to the stakes, and then I moved back. So a lot of the problems that, from a from a technical standpoint, a lot of the problems that uh, Americans have when they come over with footwork and stuff like that, I never had those problems because mm-hmm. I was used to how the referees called called travels and stuff like that. So right. um, it wasn't a big deal. That wasn't that wasn't a huge learning curve for me. It was more so just kind of getting back up to speed with the physicality of uh, the professional game, opposed to what it was when I was. Um, uh, University of America. Nice. nice. Is, were, were there any other like Europeans that were that you knew at this, that particular time that were like, you know, heading to the states, to to you know who had the similar kind of experiences you did and and came back to to yeah. Europe to play? So we had like I had a few guys from just my club in Hackney. Mm. Uh, uh, one of my friends I like, I refer to as like my little brother. Even though he's like, well, he's probably at the same height as me, but he's probably like a hundred pounds heavier than me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't um, think I think it could get any worse. <laughs> Six foot four at the age of twelve. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he's an absolute freight train. He's um, so he actually moved over to the states and we played together at the same high school for two years. Mm-hmm. And then he went and played for um, University of Clemson, and then he moved over back over to Europe as well. So there was a few, there was a few of us from my club um, that did it, and then there's various, there's various other people that I knew um, across Europe who were doing it as well that I grew up playing against. So okay, okay. So from then, from an yeah, Amsterdam, so, Eiffel Towers. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mentioned this before. Um, uh, in Europe, is very the, the way they do their contracts is very very different from um, from how you would expect um, it to be and how it's, how it's done through through football and so on. Everything's like um, um, one year contracts. 
So, uh, so I so I spent one year in multiple different places. Um, so I, I was there, spent the year there. You know, hugely hugely uh, successful year, especially with regards to learning. Mm. And I ended up playing in Newcastle. Uh, so um, it's one of the, only one one of the two places that I spent more than one year consecutively. So um, I moved up to Newcastle. Right. Uh, the, 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 did really, really well with the team, like, you know, a bunch of guys who were so competitive and had um, were very, very hungry to win. Um, mm-hmm. And and um, I was lucky to to find a guy, uh, find a coach uh, who's actually a player coach for a number of years, Fab uh, Shonoy, who really trusted, trusted in me um, and let me go out and express myself on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, I, I really, really flourished under 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 him and his program, under his him system, um, and as well as like having someone like um, who was a captain of the team at the time, and our point guard T.J. Walker, who, you know, he, you know, his nickname was the Daddy, because because of his personality and like how much respect that he that that he had from everybody. Mm. Um, and I remember while um, Not, nothing to game, do with like. Was it East East London gangsters? Like, oh, I'm the no, 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 I've had a chat with uh, Fab and I've told him that I think that you really need to be starting so you're going to start tonight and for me that was a massive deal you know yeah. that's, that said a lot of what he thought of me as a as a player and a person mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know I, 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 I've said it, said it time and time again I did a, during that, those, those years that I played for Newcastle a lot of it was to, to, to try and repay um, Fab and TJ with the, the the, the trust that they that they showed me, you know. So, yeah. Oh, so, nice, nice so yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really good uh, two years. Um, I think my first year here, we won um we won the the trophy, I think it was, and the playoffs. We we, we narrowly missed out on the league, um, the Cheshire. Um, then the following year, we came back and we did the clean sweep. We won everything. So, oh, nice. Nice, nice, uh, nice, nice. And then, and then I left, and then I, then I left for Spain. <laughs> <laughs> so who did you play for in Spain? Um, a team called uh, Juventud de Barcelona. It was a uh, um, a team on the suburb of Barcelona. Yeah. Um, which was like a really good organi- a really good organization. You know, it was great playing there. Um, everyone was absolute first class and. You know, one of the best parts about it was that um, that we lived, that all the players, especially the foreign players, lived in Barcelona. So, yeah. you know, walking distance to the beach. Um, so, <laughs> you know, fun seeing all, um, and, and 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 some amazing restaurants. And then, obviously, um, I don't know how if you guys, well, you guys know Barcelona is where, where we live. Uh, um, my wife, um, we also worked to far from the Ramblers so yeah, yeah. you know it was, it was really really it was it was amazing amazing to be out there one of my, by far one of my best places that I played 
it's it's great. It's a great city, man. It's one of one of my favorite cities in Europe, man. Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. yeah so much art, so much architecture, so much history. Yeah. Uh, such a great nightlife. You know, uh, restaurants. I mean, it's, you've got everything that you would want. Food, sunshine, yeah. everything that you'd want, man. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's in one place. Yeah, that's right. So, 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 why are you living where you are? <laughs> I asked myself that all the time. Do you know what? Do you want to go and you know move, move over to Barcelona? So, oh. <laughs> so who who else did you play for in Europe? Um, so I played in um in in Cyprus for a team called Pollon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played in Russia. I can't even remember the name of the team that I played for in Russia now. Um, I played I played in uh, in Belgium for uh, for Mons under the coach the coach at Mons was my national team coach as well for GB. Yeah. Um, that he coached the the team that uh, competed in the Olympics. I played over there as well. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I missed anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's about it. How, so how's a, how's a Russian experience? Because I'm, I'm I'm a bit curious. Like I, I haven't been to Russia before. It's so um, just, you know, it's, it's surprising. Like from a personal standpoint, yeah, and I, can, I, I can only speak from my personal experience. Mm. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I had no problem. Like if someone said to me, "Are you? We're going to send you back to Russia to play?" Yeah, okay, no problem. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think. <laughs> it's funny it's actually a funny story um, I think there was only one time that I kind of um, experienced any kind of um, racism um, was from a group of like young lads or what have you and um, I was with one, I was with one of the other basketball players um, another black guy but he had been playing out there for a couple of years at the same team yeah. um, and uh, these kids were mouthing off and I they're speaking Russian I don't know what they're saying so um, you can say that you can tell that it wasn't it wasn't nice, but yeah. I didn't know. Um, and then um, this guy comes out of nowhere and he's like, "Hey, Marky!" You know, the guy out to the guy that I was with. Yeah. And he's like, "Is there any problem?" And he turns around and says, like, "These kids here." Uh, and then he turns around, look at the kids, and he starts speaking Russian, and they just dispersed. And I was just <laughs> like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Oh, this is the, like the local gangster." And I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> he was like. You have any problems? Just tell me. Because I was like, okay. <laughs> so that was literally. And then the other time was at a basketball game. Well, I literally at a game where we were playing, um, and I guess like a small group of fans were saying stuff, and like again in Russian, so I didn't know what they were saying. And then like mm. kind of like at a timeout, I started to go back on the court, and a couple of the Russian players like kind of um, locked arms with me. And it's like, no, we're not going out back in the court. So um, yeah. as soon as they said that, they didn't have to say anymore. I kind of figured what that might have been. Yeah. Um, and then the fans, um, these particular fans got removed from the, the arena and then we started playing the game again. So it, it's amazing, actually, that, 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 you know, that stuff is like, you know, is, is, was way back when, when I was little. And it's kind of still continued, still continued to be. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, with with yeah, just this racial abuse in in football and soccer, basketball, everything. Yeah. You know? And it's it's. Just it's not... I always yeah, I, I always find found it yeah. like um, I don't I don't want to to I don't want people to think that I'm using I'm probably using the wrong word, but I always found it interesting from a, a racial a, a racist or racial standpoint where you're a fan. Mm-hmm. At a sporting event, and you have 
you have people black black or ethnic minorities on your team, mm-hmm. but you're racist, you're, you're being racial to racist people. <laughs> And then I, I, I always find it, I always find it interesting. That it's like one of those things where I don't necessarily get upset with it because I want to understand the, the thought process. You know, yeah. like how it, in your mind, how is it okay to be uh, racially abused? The other teams, yeah. black or brown or you know, skinned uh, athlete. But then after the game, you go and get you get you get, get hug the your team, black or brown, or uh, mm. it, it just. The, the psyche behind it is actually, for me, is quite interesting. I, I, um, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. For me, it's baffling. It's yeah, like, yeah. Literally, yeah, 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 it's, it's, yeah. it's baffling, you know. Yeah, baffling, I, I, yeah, baffling yeah. would probably be a better word. Yeah, I do, I, do not under, I do not understand the, the, the you know, the, the, the psyche behind it. It's like, no. you know, it's like you not liking, I don't know, uh, fish. And you're hating fish. And then you just turn around and just eating a mouthful of salmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's, that's exactly. Is exactly what it is. Yeah, and I, you know, I just, yeah. believe, I just believe there's there's no room for that in sport. There's no there's no room for politics in sport. You know, sport is supposed to be a a, a level playing field with just you know everything is just treated with reverence. You know, and it's just yeah, it's yeah. Just, you know, I understand that it brings out that. The, the the animistic tribalistic behavior in in individuals but that needs to be yes. tapered with some sort of logic and some sort of discreetness yeah. no matter what your opinions are because yeah. you're there supporting your team and you know and there are some some bound boundaries that should not be should not yeah. be crossed well, over it's um, like obviously like for years and years and years <laughs> i played a professional sport a mm. team sport and um i remember this was like like 2010 or 2011, I went to Liverpool versus Man United game at Anfield, mm. um, and uh, obviously you know, everyone knows the rivalry. Everyone just starts talking about that, but yeah. like it was being, it was me like being in the crowd with my cousin and like hearing the abuse of the Man United fan from them, and, I, and it and for me personally, that's the first time that I've ever been it, and I was just like. Holy crap! Is this is this how people get when they when I'm playing against like Newcastle and I'm playing yeah. against yeah. me? Like I was like, yeah. and you can you can just feel like how heavy the atmosphere was. And I was just yeah. like, well, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. But you can kind of almost understand how people can get caught up with it, you know? So yeah, I I, I think it's ignorance. So, so like, I've I've experienced that quite a few uh, quite a few football at football games and stuff like that. And there was. Um, there was a one particular. I'm not going to go into who the teams were, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. But there's one particular. I was with my missus, and uh, you know, my missus is French, and and uh, you know what I mean. And one of the supporters, like, God, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I just like, I stopped. Hey, sit your ass down. I'll put your yeah, ass yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. like you know, it's like. Mate, you know, what are you doing? The manager's French, my missus is French, the players, half the players are French. You can guess who, you can guess where I was. You know what I mean? And I'm like, and I'm like, dude, how the hell could you be abusing the manager, the players and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're supposed to be supporting the team. I understand your your anger, but yeah. they're, 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 you know, you need to have some sort of logic, you know? It's like... Yeah. Well, you, you've seen it in the past, um, you know, past year um, with... Um, multiple times I mean the, Ster- yeah. the Sterling Sterling one comes to mind it's like you know like the guy the guy who did what he did or whatever like when he says that like, I'm not racist I actually surprisingly I actually believe him I, I don't think that he is inherently racist 
but mm. you kind of get in there and it's like, what's the most hateful thing that you can say to someone? Well, that's one of the things that, you know yeah. what I mean? And we want to get under the person's skin and all of a sudden you might lose yourself for a moment. Yeah. You say it. Um, so, I mean, like, I'm sure someone's probably going to disagree with me and everybody has their own opinion, but I'm, I'm not saying that he is or he isn't, but mm. you think about it, it's like, there, there has been times for me personally when someone's got into my face or had an argument, like, like someone that I don't know and it's like, what, for a moment, you're like, what can I say that's really going to piss them off? Mm. But then you pull yourself back from your legs because then you catch yourself and say, well, that's not, that's not me. That's not inherent yeah, yeah. to me. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, it, so. it, needs, it, needs, it, needs, it needs a check, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, 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 absolutely, absolutely. There's no, oh. you know, it's, it's rife, it's, it's, it's everywhere, but there needs to be, you know, some tapering oh. on on individuals' yeah, attitudes and stuff absolutely. like that. But also, I think a lot of it is to do with people are very kind of like polarizing it sometimes in their own worlds. So they don't, you know, they don't cross over with other cultures or other races and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, their, their opinions don't don't get checked. So they, you know, yeah, it's, it's true. Their, their opinions of, of other races don't, don't get checked, you know. And, you know, one, one of the things that I've noticed is like, with this virus hitting and stuff like that, you know, is it Viking? You know, but man, oh, my man couldn't even get a haircut. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> because 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 of the color of his skin, you know, he's yeah, Chinese yeah, yeah. and he couldn't even get a haircut. You know, well, what I mean? one, one of our guys, one of, one of our guys um, um, at, the, at the academy, um, he put up uh, uh, a situation that he occurred in a shop, mm. um, and I'm just like, you know, this is it's so it's, it's so baffling again. Because it's like, if you knew who this guy was, he's been done Steve, they've done movies with uh, Guy Ritchie. You know what I mean? It's just mm. like, and he's kind of, and he's getting racially profiled uh, in a shop. So it's just like, it's, 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 it's unfortunate how, how ignorant people can be. So, yeah, no, 100%, 100% man, 100%. Uh, like this, you know, we can, we can talk yeah, about yeah, this all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All day. So, Obviously, you spent one year in Russia because these yeah. contracts just go for one year. Actually, so. I've got a question on that. You know how you're you're playing uh, one year contracts in different countries during the training and stuff. Do they uh, do you have to like sort of learn their language or was the training in English or? Yeah, no. The, the the I think everywhere I went, uh, everyone spoke English. Um, no. The only one place. This is this was in um, in Spain. 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 Um, I, I, I was about to say that. This is gonna make you laugh, though. This is gonna make you laugh. Like the head coach, his name's Aito. Mm. Probably one of the most brilliant basketball minds that I've ever been around. Right? Mm-hmm. He speaks perfect English. Perfect yeah. English. And during the games, he coaches Spanish. <laughs> I was just like, come on, man. So we had like a, the assistant coach would have to interpret everything for myself and an American who was there, who obviously we both didn't speak in, uh, in Spanish. Um, um, I think by the end of the year, when he was talking, I started picking up essentially what he wanted, um, just from like key words. I, like, I couldn't, I could never um, like repeat it, or, you know, but I could pick up what he was saying. So, so um, yeah, it, that was uh, that was interesting. But for the vast majority, every other place, everyone spoke in English, so it was really easy. Um, and I um, just, I mean, just to, to add to that point, because it, it's, it's something that has actually kind of helped me go from basketball to jiu-jitsu. It's like um, every year, or playing for different teams, it's like 
you go in and you have to learn the, their their terminologies and their plays and like their schemes and stuff like that. It's actually that actually really, has really really helped me in learning technique in jujitsu. To be honest, it's just to, um, I try to explain it to people, um, and it's like um, understand the kind of like really critically be able to understand or rec- or or see or have pattern recognition. Because yeah. at the end of the day, like basketball. Uh, at, at the, even at the highest height, well, especially at the highest of levels, it is pattern recognition. Yeah. You know, like you run a play and it's like you move a ball from A to B to C, and then you have your options along those. And um, and that's kind of like how, and, I, and this is again, this is all opinion, uh, opinion, but that's kind of like how I look at jujitsu. It's like, okay, I can go to A to B to C, but there's always options along the way. Yeah. You know, and I think that's really, that's, that's actually helped me massively from learning technique. So, so how, how was your uh, Olympic experience? You know, how did you get to the point of captaining, you know, the great British basketball team? Because you know, some people don't even get to that point, you know, and, and and you did it. You know, and it's an well, amazing um, achievement. Well, like I said, um, my my career is a um, one long list of um, fortunate accidents or, <laughs> or things that just like weren't meant to be, but happened. Happened out of nowhere, and uh, becoming a captain of uh, the GB national team is, is no different. Um, we, in 2006, we started our, our like long journey to the 2012 Olympics, and we were playing a, uh, a friendly tournament out in I think it was Germany, uh, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a game, and we, we didn't play particularly well, but um, it was still like really early in the campaign. Um, so we're in the locker room. The coaches are uh, telling us, uh, you know, his, giving us his opinion of of things and stuff like that. And then he turns around and says, "What do you think, Drew? You are the captain, <laughs> you know." So it's like one of the one of the biggest moments for my, uh, for my you know sporting career, becoming the national team uh, national team uh, captain. And it wasn't even. It, he made it made it feel like it was just like another day at the park. <laughs> so, uh, but but that was that was Chris 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 Finch as a person. He was a, he 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 kind of just like just got on with things. He didn't make a big yeah. deal of anything. So, um, um, but didn't be able to have the opportunity to leave out my country at the, at the 2012 Olympics and like obviously being a Londoner as well and having family there and um, being back home. Is you know what? What more can you ask for as a as as an athlete? You know, yeah. it is uh, probably outside of maybe football. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the pinnacle of their sport would obviously be the World Cup, but everybody else's is, is the Olympics. You know, yeah. um, so to be able to do that and uh, to be there and um, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's actually starting to give me goose people talking about it again. So um, nice, it was it was it was absolutely amazing. So something that I would never ever forget. How come the lead up was uh, so long? You said it started 2006. Yeah, so um, be, to get to the Olympics, a lot of people think that, um, like, because we were the host, people just assumed that we would get like a place in the Olympics. But before that, um, I think it was like, I want to say 40 plus years, maybe longer since since um, since GB had a basketball team at the Olympics. So we had to jump through lots and lots of hoops to to, to give ourselves even just the opportunity to to uh, represent GB at the Olympics. So we started out in um, 
in what we were, was referred to as Group B, um, and we had to get ourselves up into Group A by the time 2012 came along, which, um, which you know, if you don't understand it, it's like, okay, we're not going to one group. But the competition that we played in, they, played, they, they, um, they took place over the span of summers. So you play one summer, like a, a set of games, then the following summer, you play a set of games, and then where you are at the end of that determines whether you stay in Group B or go up to Group A. Um, so that was 20, 20, uh, 2006. By 2008, we had moved up to group, um, to group A. Now, the problem is, is that for the next four years, we have to stay in Group A. Because if you drop back to down to Group B, then we won't we wouldn't be able to um, to, to represent GB. Um, but over that time period, we did really really well. We we went to a couple of European Championships. Um, and obviously, we qualified for them um, and 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 were competitive. And then obviously, and then eventually, we um, we were where we needed to be to 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 represent GB at the at the 2012 Olympics. Nice, 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 nice. So we're speaking to um, actually we're speaking to uh, Winston Gordon. Actually, he was saying that um, he, he's done three Olympics, and he was saying, yeah, and he was saying that you know, it, you know, it start starts for him when you know when he gets his kit. You know, as yeah. As he got his, as soon as he got his kit, it was a kind of like realization that damn, I'm at the Olympics, you know, and and that mindset just kicks in, and you know the people that he saw and. You know, it just kind of totally blew his mind. You know, I just wonder if that was a kind of same, same thing yeah. to you. You know, um, so we uh, we picked up our kit in Loughborough. Um, so we spent a, a, a week up at Loughborough, Loughborough University mm-hmm. um, training. Um, and at the time, I was playing for Leicester. I remember the coach coming uh, and watching us train. And you know, you got these bunch of like six foot ten, six foot eleven, seven foot, six foot eight, two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, 220 banging and running and jumping and he's almost having a heart attack because he was just like how do you guys not get hurt you know <laughs> and I was like well this is what basketball really really looks at, like at a high high level so mm-hmm. um, but we were there we picked our kit up um, we trained there and then we moved down then we travelled down to London uh, for me personally it really kind of started when we walked into the Olympic Village and we and we um, we were together um, as a team after we put our stuff away, and then it was just like the walk, the walking around the Olympic Village, seeing um, in, in, in Stratford, seeing the different flags of uh, the different countries, meeting people, everyone saying hello. You know, people that you don't know, like yeah. super friendly. You know, I think some some of it, some of it for some people were they super friendly because they were so nervous their first time they've been there. Yeah. Other people. Is super friendly because well I've done this is my like you said like this is my this is my my third one so so yeah, is it. Yeah. I know I know I know how it is um, but that was for me that's when it all kind of like really really hit home it was just like wow you know uh, I'm I'm really here representing my country at, at home game so yeah. and then um, then obviously then the next part of it is um, the the game night. You know, I've like I've been asked the question, you know, what was it like that first game or whatever? And uh, yeah. uh, I, one of the things that I always say is like the, the, the game in of itself is like uh, slightly a blur, but the the moments before the game, walking to the arena, are st- still so so vivid in my memory. Like 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 I, I kid you not, I remember even down to the smell of the popcorn, the hot dogs, Coca Cola. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, the the 
the the wood crackling underneath my sneakers. I remember all of that so so vividly, um, and I'm happy that I, I'm, I'm happy that I'm able. Uh, I have been able to do that because, I mean, you know, for me it was it was a once in a lifetime experience, and to be able to live with those memories it mean more to me than anything. So. Nice. How was nice. the how was the preparation? Because um, obviously, in between, it's it's almost like a whole month, right? You guys are in the in the village. Yeah. Um, how was uh how, was the preparation in, in there any different from from your usual practice or how, no, what sort once, of changes? Yeah. Once you once you're in there, you don't. You, there's no, there is no practice. You know, we played every uh, other day, so we played, all right. rest, played, rest play you know so so practice we did all your preparation before you before you go into the village um for, for us um we had like maybe a couple of practices before our game started off site um then like i think we had um one practice at one practice at the arena every, every team had one practice at the arena for maybe 45 minutes and that was it um and then everything else was like the game um the uh, you know, there was a, there was very very little time that you had on court at the at the uh, venue outside of um, outside of game day. So uh, literally, when once the game started, you played, you you, you rest. The, the, there was rest and recovery. Watch game tape of the next team that you're going to play. Get uh, get mentally ready. Maybe have a walkthrough or something, and then you play again. So 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 that's pretty much how it went. That's cool. So, were you doing jiu-jitsu at the same time uh, during the Olympics? Like, no, know? well, yeah, I started in 2010 uh-huh. uh, for 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 a little while, and I said before, like my first um, um, jiu-jitsu instructor was uh, Dave Speedy Elliott, yeah. who um, who's black belt under Mark Warder. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so he was my first first um, instructor. And then I had to, like, I, I, I took time out from jiu-jitsu, um, which was, the intention was to take time out to get ready for the Olympics. You, don't, you know, you got something like that, you don't want to get inadvertently hurt or something. Yeah, um, knowing your track record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want it to happen. So, uh, so I took time out. And it, it wasn't, the intention was not for it to be as long as, uh, as, long as it was, but... While um, I, w- I was not at that time, I was not training um, at all. Um, um, so I hadn't trained for maybe a year by the time I got to the Olympics. And then, for you know, uh, through my probably my, my own fault, I didn't train for like another, ooh, I'd say number a year or two after the Olympics. Oh, so, okay. so um, you know, uh, this is time I regret, but hey, you know, everything happens for a reason. So. So you took up you took up jujitsu, um, and then you, you what's it? You retired in two thousand sixteen basketball. Two thousand seventeen. Seventeen. Uh, yeah, two thousand seventeen. So uh, yeah, I um, two thousand two thousand seventeen. I um, I made the decision to 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 retire. Um, yeah, it's something that myself my my coach had like talked about. I had I had mentioned it to him. I said to him, I'm not sure. I'm thinking about retiring and. You know, he uh, he did he did the, the the right thing for me and for the for the team. He said, "Don't think about it during the season. Let's just let's talk at the end of the season. You know, keep your head in the game, or whatever." And which was the which was you know the best and the right advice that he could give me um, because he, uh, I, 
I know like Rob like been very very good friends, and the last thing that he would want wanted me to be stressing over over it. Mm. Um, but I played my last game for the Riders um, at the BBL um, playoff finals, and mm-hmm. I remember it. We got to the game um, as like one of the senior members. I I was like you know I had the the whole back row of the bus uh, to myself, um, and um, we got to the we got to the old two arena. Uh, everybody's uh, offloading, and I was the last person to to get off. And um, literally just before I got stood up, I just started like I just broke out into tears. Um, and like you know, not because I was upset or anything. It was just like at that moment I knew I knew that it was time to retire. And I and 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 the tears were kind of like right like a release mm-hmm. and like a, like a calmness and just like right you know. You're making the right decision, um, and and I never regret. I haven't, haven't regretted it. Um, you know, I'm still happy with this, my decision to retire when I retired. So, um, you know, it's I had a, I feel like I had a really um, career that I could be proud of, and my kids could be proud of. So, so I'm no regrets in that regard. What 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 was it? Was it um, like uh, a kind of like no lack of like not drive, drive, drive is the wrong word, but, you know, was Ooh. it like, you know, like a lack of challenges or, or whatever, or was age yeah, I mean, getting on top? No, I mean, like, I'll tell you what, like, um, I, outside of, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's a huge amount of things that I can uh, thank jiu-jitsu for, but one of them is how fit it kept me, especially when I was getting, getting older in basketball. Yeah. It helped me to no end with my basketball, you know, um, so, so from a physical standpoint, I could have easily played for you know for much much longer. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that has always um, drove me and whatever I, I was doing it is the, the the learning. I really really like learning, you yeah. know. Uh, which 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 my grades my grades in high school and university wouldn't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, um, hey, you graduated. <laughs> no one cares. That's it. <laughs> uh, but like, like stuff like basketball and jujitsu, and uh, you know, like um, other, other like different things that I have interest in. It's like I like to learn as much as I can about it um, uh, because if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have a conversation with someone about basketball, I, I you know I don't want I want to know that whatever I'm saying makes sense. You know, yeah. uh, I don't want to make it for myself especially. So. Um, the, so the learning for me is really, really important. Um, I think one of the things is that, like in a sport like basketball, a sport like football, and so on and so forth, like people say, well, you never stop learning. And I, I, there, I, there is some truth to that, mm-hmm. but I also think that the learning within those in these kind of sports is it is limited. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. you get to a point where look, it's not. It's, it's the difference between. Also, let me let me rephrase that. You're not learning at the same rate, so it'd be sometimes handy. You know, like I've there's the stuff that people show me um, that I didn't know before, but then like you realize it's a, a variation of something that you already did know. Yeah. You know, so you're just like, okay, okay, actually I didn't know that you could do it like that. Um, it's like, you know, some a friend of mine was showing me um, uh, a little while back about like something from a triangle. Mm-hmm. And like I know, I know how to do the triangle. That's like one of my favorite techniques. And I said, I said, and like uh, we were kind of going back and forth. And I was trying to be respectful. And I was just like, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily do it like that because um, it was like if the person postures up um, and like 
I said to him, now, um, the way that I was taught, and I find it very useful, is letting go of a triangle, locking the person's arm, like closing mm-hmm. my guard around the person's arm and putting them in, and then locking mm-hmm. the triangle back up around their neck. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like saying, from a comparative standpoint, and like, you know, that's, we can talk about this all day, but it's um, it's that part of it. It's like, you know, yeah, I know I do a triangle, you show me a different variation of it, or whatever, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, the, the, bar, the, and the same thing with basketball, it was just like, it, it became a little bit, mon- uh, the monotony of it, just coming in and training and then the game on the weekend and then the traveling and then being away from the family and stuff like that. And it just mm. kind of like got to the point where I was just like, <laughs> do I want to do this? Do I want to do this for another year? Yeah. And I decided I just I didn't. Like, you know, it wasn't anything. You know, I still absolutely love that stuff. I love I love uh, Rob uh, um, and everyone apart of uh, Leicester Riders, Russell, uh, the the route that is I, I love the I love them more. It's just I just didn't want to play, play basketball anymore. So, you never so. you never got the opportunity to kind of like go back and um, go back in the coach. It seems that's a it's a it's a uncurrent um, theme with regards to actually uh, players and stuff like that when they're, once they're finished, where uh, the system doesn't allow them more, you know, to, to well, you know, drag them back in or, or entice them enough to come back and coach. Yeah, I, like I. I suppose there's two ways that you can, uh, I can look at this. I can, um, I got, I get from a, I get more respect in the jiu-jitsu community for what I've done in basketball than what I think sometimes what I've done in basketball from the basketball community. Like, um, you know, like, uh, like I've had like people in the the jiu-jitsu community ask me about coming and like do some training with me and like ask my opinion about things. And I'm like, well, you know, this is not even like this is not even like my first sport kind of mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or this is not my not what I'm known for kind of yeah. um, but then like you know you, you talk to someone about you know they, they ask you to come and do a, um, uh, a clinic or basketball at their club and then you turn around and you kind of give them a price and they're like oh like, like, yeah. dude, I'm not even really funny. I'm doing, I'm, I'm like, I'm doing this is about as cheap as I can do it because, because I know you kind of thing. So, mm. um, so it's 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 weird with that regard, and uh, and because of that, it's like I've I've literally never been offered the, the opportunity to do any coaching in basketball, like, like from that kind of level in terms of uh, like uh, a full time job, you know, or full time coaching. Um, you know, I started. I, 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 became, I became like a full-time jiu-jitsu coach before I became a basketball, uh, uh, a basketball coach. And mm. you know, one of them I went to the Olympics for, and another one I still, I still haven't got myself over to the worlds. So, so it's funny. Yeah, it's it's um, a Viking pointed it out um, a little while ago in a discussion in regards to the difference and the cultural differences and what actually. You know, could be part of the reason why the sports in the UK and sports like basketball and judo, etc., don't excel to where it needs to be, is because that you know. Whereas in you know, he, was, he can say it better than I can, but I'm just par- paraphrasing for now. But he was saying that in in Asia, like you know, you go to Japan and they see their athletes as role models over mm-hmm. like your your Kardashians and and stuff yeah. like that. You know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So where it's you know. The, the brands will come and support, you know, support your athletes, support your jiu-jitsu guys, support your judo guys, support your basketball yeah. players and stuff like that because they're seen as uh, pillars of the community rather than, you know, in the UK, you know, it, you'll be struggling, you know, you struggle. If you're putting on a jiu-jitsu tournament, you struggle to get a, a brand, mm-hmm. 
you know, yeah, the, other yeah. day was, the other day I was looking at um, uh, some jiu-jitsu matches on YouTube and I think it was uh, Nicholas Margoli versus um, somebody anyway. And, and But I was just looking after the conversation that, you know, I had with Viking was that I was just looking at the sponsors on the mat and I was like, Harley Davidson. Yamaha, you know what I mean? And I was, I was like, wait, yeah. what's, you know, and it goes, it's so clear. It's so, yeah. so, so clear. You know, we, we don't have, for some reason, as a, as a society in the UK, we, we don't, you know, have our athletes and, and have them as, you know, as pillars of the community. Man, you know, our athletes are, are the people that our kids should be following. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I think, um, yeah. For, for, for me, um, I think one of the things that, um, like, I think, at least from a basketball standpoint over here is, um, and this is going to sound rude, uh, I'm probably going to get absolutely slaughtered by people, anyone who listens to the basketball will be saying this, is, but, Say like... It. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> um, they're, they're, like, for someone like myself, who, who's, who's done a lot in the sport, like, um, I, and I say, and I go to a club and say, and they say to me, well, um, you know, will you come and do a basketball session for two hours? And I say, yeah, it's fine. I'll do, do let's say, 300 quid. All right? And they, like, scoff at it. Because they know that they can go and get the guy that nobody knows who will come and do it f- for free. Yeah. And what the person who comes and does it for free doesn't realise that inadvertently, although they're hurting me, they're going to hurt themselves in the future. Yeah. yeah. Because now you, you've undercut me by 300 pounds. You've undercut yourself from any any future earnings that you can make because you're, first of all you're going to be like well we're going to get we're going to get um so-and-so to do it because he's cheaper than drew but then when the so-and-so becomes um you know has a name for himself and now he realizes well i can i can charge him like yeah but you used to do it for me for free i used to be a dj and we used to call them 50 quid kevins right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know you used to have a residency and you used to get paid and then you know what i mean you pay good money yeah. and stuff like that but you know you build up your set and stuff like that and you you know me, me and my friend uh tim finn you know a dj partner yeah, mate we just build a big crowd da, 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 nice following and stuff like that and then the promoter like you know me oh my my my, my cousin's mate um da, 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 yeah. you know, you'd like to um, in you know 50 quid kevin would come in and just totally yeah. ruin it but then That's what happens it has a knock-on effect of, of yeah. you because he's like oh mate you've just you know you've just just ruined the whole momentum and everything like that and it's like you know what <laughs> Because they're not selling themselves short; they're selling the the art, the sport, or the the yeah. you know the, the actual career. Mm. The, you know, it's short. That's what it is. Um, and it's like a you know, it's uh, it's a saying. It's like the high tide raises all shit, or high um, not high tide. Um, I'm 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 getting this wrong now. Uh, <laughs> I know what you mean, and I no, can't no, remember. No, I mean, uh, uh, the one that raises all, all ships is like, and that's what it should be. It should be a thing where, like, uh, I, I listen to um, uh, a particular podcast from the, in the states uh, with uh, with uh, Shannon Sharp and uh, Skip Bayless, and um, Shannon Sharp's obviously an ex-American football player, and they talk they yeah. talk about the salary cap. And the one thing that he keeps on saying is like, you've got to keep pushing the salary cap forward so the next person makes more money and the next and then the person, next person comes on. And that's how you make money within a sport. Mm. It's like, you kind of like, you know, you don't want to outprice yourself, but you want yeah. to keep pushing it forward so people who come behind you can still make a living as well. Opposed yeah. to when you have someone who's like, well, oh, okay, yeah, I'll come and do it for free. It's like, no, actually, you're, you're actually screwing me, you're screwing mm. yourself, you're screwing all the people who are going to come behind you as well. So. Yeah. Um, but 
so, 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 so to a certain extent, it's like, you know, uh, from that standpoint, it's like, uh, it almost, I almost kind of got pushed out of basketball from a professional career. It's mm-hmm. still something that I would like to do. I still love to, to, to coach, um, you know, whether it be like at a high level, um, like young people or at, uh, at a professional level. It's something that I've dream, uh, dreamt of and it's something that I'd be very, very interested in to do. So, so hopefully I'll, I'll get an offer eventually. <laughs> so tell me about jiu-jitsu now so tell me about this to hold your jiu-jitsu journey currently you know and since you retired and stuff like that and like you know about your competitions and how you feel and how you feel as a coach now and how you feel as a father coaching and teaching and, and stuff um well i started um, i started training at rga in uh 2013 um um you know I, I recently got my, well, recently, in December, I got my brown belt under Roger. Uh, and, uh, you know, one, I think one of the things about retiring is it's allowed me to to really kind of, like, immerse myself in uh, in competing. Um, I think uh, the, during my purple belt, I didn't compete as much as I would like to because I really started kind of, like, doing a lot more um, coaching uh, up in Leicester and in Newcastle with my, with my clubs. Um, so... But, you know, as soon as I got my brown belt, I, I had already made up my mind that I was going to compete at the, the Europeans, which was uh, which was really, really good. Um, previously before that, I, I competed in the Europeans uh, as a blue belt, and, um, you know, I was lucky enough to, to get gold. It, it definitely helps when you've got Roger and Junior in your corner screaming, mm-hmm. uh, so <laughs> telling you all the things that you're doing wrong. <laughs> so... <laughs> No, don't do that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, no, um, you know, it's like it's amazing to have like uh, those guys, those guys there um, as a, a source of information. I mean, I've, I've said it time and time again. It's like um, between uh, Roger and Mauricio, it's like having mm-hmm. um, uh, jujitsu encyclopedias around you all the time. So, yeah. um, that's definitely helped. I mean, you know, one of the biggest one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to go to RGA is because of because of Roger being so tall. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, you can't. Like, we have we have a saying in basketball: it's like you can't teach height. You know, mm-hmm. so so um, having the opportunity to to pick Roger's brain about like certain things and like uh, because sometimes when I'm when I'm in a class with one of my other instructors, you know, obviously all the instructions uh, first class, mm-hmm. but then you're teaching something and then I'm almost having to like look at him and say, right, how would I do it as a, as a six foot seven person? Yeah. You know, whereas if Roger, if when Roger shows me something, there's very little adaptation with regards to height, you know? So, mm-hmm. so it's almost like, it's almost like get it and go, you know? So, yeah. um, what size gi do you wear for six foot seven? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed in this regard. I, you know, I, I wear I, I wear a, a four, but yeah. I'm like, but but I'm just I've got a typical basketball basketball player's body. It's like uh, like long arms, long legs, long torso. So uh, fortunately, the geese that we have at RGA now are, are different from the ones that they initially had because it was like yeah, I felt like I was wearing a dressing gown uh, before. Now they're a little bit more, um, they're a little bit more narrow uh, in, around around uh, like the ribs, 
great um, area. So, um, but I, I, I wear A4. Well, they, they, is that the Shoei Rowan? Shoei Rowan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if I can use names and stuff like that. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, they're like really, really, um, really, really good um, uh, fit. Obviously, we changed. We've changed. We've changed uh, companies, or I think we do a little bit more with a different company now. I haven't tried, haven't had to try their keys on yet, but we'll see. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's why I didn't want to say any names. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. So, what's what's next? What's next for you, man? With regards to well, obviously the Europeans uh, cancelled this year. Everything's yeah. IBJJF tournaments are cancelled this year, so. It's about 2021, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know... There might still be a chance for November. Yeah, well, you know, hope, hope, pro. Hope, yeah, um, I mean, obviously, um, you know, we'll see what um, the what the local scene is like if people still put in their competitions. If, the, if, there's, if there's a competition to, uh, to be done, um, uh, I, I want to. I mean, like, it's, it's funny how uh, Mother Nature lays waste to... To, to our plans, I, was, I said this year I'm going to compete a lot. Combination <laughs> <laughs> back. Oh, let me let's hold my beer. You know, so ain't nobody um, got time for that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I couldn't believe it. You know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm sat there and I'm and like they're talking about you know this day and the other. I'm just like, well, maybe it won't be that bad. Maybe it won't be like a month or so, and then things will go back to normal. It's like, yeah, yeah no, yeah. no chance. So it's only uh, happening in China. What do you think I'm here? I, that's what I thought. Like, pfft, they'll never go yeah, to exactly. like Europe, yeah. will never go down. <laughs> yeah, 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 <exactly. laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I mean, like, the you know, the the so this, this year, if, if there's no computer, it's just trying to to just really go into my brown belt. You know, um, put the time in. Um, you know, there's there's some things that I've been working on um, that like I want to add to to what I do already. Um, and I, so it just it just gives me a really really good opportunity to, to do it. And uh, yeah, once we get back to training and stuff like that, and like really really put the time in. So and then obviously uh, do my you know continue to, to build build my club and uh, to to get. You know, my help develop my students and stuff like that, and um, and spend a lot of time with them. And then, and then like you said, um, you know, the, the, again, I'm 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 a very much like I always look for silver linings in situations. And then one of the biggest silver linings is has been the time that I spent at home with my with my kids, um, and like you know, and, and in particular with like my my eldest, uh, she's actually helped me out a huge amount with uh, the online classes that I do for. My, my students or my club um, and um, so we've spent a, a ton of time together on the mats and you, I can see the, the, the how much she's improved over the past you know uh, 12 weeks or so um, you know I mean like there's stuff that she couldn't do or like she just she couldn't, she couldn't get her head around it there was a little bit of uh, a block is a block shoot about like doing like inverting and stuff like that yeah. and having the time yeah. to spend with her like now like you know going over um doing baron bolos from uh, the double guard pool over and over like just just 10 minutes a day really like as a warm-up now she does it without even thinking about it and she like she even to the point she's like i can't wait to get back to training because i'm gonna take everybody's back <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah yeah so 
So, uh, you know, um, yeah, just little things like that, you kind of have to look at look uh, look at it and say, well, you know, try and make the best out of a, a situation that none of us uh, was expecting. Um, that's good, man. That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, my brother, we, we've, whoa, we, we've gone over the hour mark and it's good good speaking to you, man. You know, yeah, man yeah. Really, really good catching up and stuff like that. Um, yeah. yeah, we we have uh, usually at the we finish off with uh, a good vibe minute, uh, which is, uh, I guess, just you know, it's got a minute just to give any piece of advice to anybody, you know, like if anyone's listening, especially you know, any young people, or, um, any teenagers, or whatever, who don't know what to do, you know, any little bit of advice from a, an Olympian goes a long, long way. But it's true, man, you know, you can't underestimate what you've achieved. Um, it's important, you know, not many people actually. Uh, very few people have been in a position that you know that you've been so be 100% grateful man so yeah man any bit of advice shoot school yeah so uh, you know we've said it before like sacrifice is, is, is a word that we hear a lot, a lot um, but you know sometimes we don't really understand what it means and um, I've, I've said this a lot of times when I've done talks with young people it's like if there's anything that you're going to want to do that's and achieve in life that's worthwhile be, be, be prepared to sacrifice um, you know and obviously it's not at the detriment of people you care about to like understand what understand what that means um, but there's there's going to be a there's going to be some kind of uh, something that you're going to have to sacrifice you know you can't you're not going to be able to get success without having to give something up it's just the fact of life um, so you know, if there's something that you you uh, you you want, something that you want to achieve, make sure that you do the requirement require, required work. But that, but understand, there will be sacrifice uh, to get to where you want to get to. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Listen, my brother, it's been a pleasure. Always Take care. Look after yourself. Big hug yeah. to the family. <laughs> Thank you. you. Know, and, looking um, forward to yeah. being, looking forward to all this uh, to, to get down. I said this, I said this to uh, Viking the other day. Definitely, uh, once it's all over, I'm gonna come and uh, get some training done with you guys. So. Yeah, mate, you're, you're more sure. than welcome, man. It's, I think, yeah. especially now with all this is going on, man, it's like you know, these barriers <laughs> have to drop. You know, people yeah. need to like still connect and make more connections. You know, because that's that's what's important, man. And I think that's what's to realize that is important. You know, that everybody yeah. makes these connections. So yeah, 100% man. More than welcome, man. My place is your place. Mi casa yeah, su casa, as they say in Spain. Or is it, as your Spanish, as your Spanish coach says. <laughs> Take care, man. And thank you very much, my friend. Thank you. Take care, brother. Cheers, bro. Cheers, bye-bye.